Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Foundation by Story Archives. I am your host, Mario Busto, not alongside Zachary Newton tonight. Uh, Zach is out for quite an important event. Uh, his wife is actually in labor as we speak. So today you're going to be getting um, a solo instant reaction from me on Foundation Season 2, Episode 10, titled Creation Myths. And boy, although I didn't think that they could top the penultimate episode of all the craziness that occurs in the previous one, they may have topped it because if last episode was all about the cause of what was going on and the events that were taking place, this episode was all about the consequences of that which took place. And so you're left with pretty much all of the catastrophic decisions made by day uh taking effect here in a major major way i mean at some point in this episode i i literally wrote down on my notes i put just change the name of the show to gail's nightmare fest i mean we, we there's just a, a numerous amount of things I, I think this may be an every season thing for foundation just get used to loving characters and then they're killed at the end because we got to do a time skip of a century or more at the end of each season and we're leading into, I also wrote, the, you know, although it's a bummer that Salvor's definitely seems to be dead, unless they pull another rope-a-dope somehow, uh, she's most certainly dead. And I don't want any more BS from anybody out in the audience about Mario's theory about if you don't see the body, they're not dead. Last episode, we all thought Terminus was gone, but we didn't see any bodies, and so... It seems that that flash of light that one of you reached out to us about right before Polly was almost eviscerated by the inside-out jumping effect that the Invictus had on the planet. It seems that Harry saved everybody in the vault. And I want to know who the hell built this vault. How much money Harry had to have this sort of device just... I mean, this vault is just a it's the ultimate loophole for any sort of survival. I hope he was able to get Hober and Bell. I think that's probably the biggest bummer of the episode is that two of the best characters are now dead. We've built up Hober. And I guess this was, this was truly the moment where Hober pierced the side of the empire or the hide of the empire, as I was once corrected. And we'll see what happens. I mean, there's just so much to cover here. We have, Essentially, all of Terminus, not just like anybody who was in the vicinity of the vault. Everybody on Terminus was saved. I was thinking that Harry had sacrificed Foundation One. It was pretty much like a one for one trade. Hey, I'm going to trade you this planet and all these hundreds of thousands or millions of people in exchange for the Empire's fleet. He's probably thinking long game. As we know, this is Dark Harry on Terminus, or we thought it was Dark Harry. But it turns out, I guess he cares about lives more than uh, we thought he did because he saved the entire planet, destroyed the entire entirety of Empire's fleet. And yeah, yeah, I mean, that there that's about says it all, right? You saved the whole planet. So the Foundation survived. I would only assume that we're heading towards Helicon in Season 2. But damn, Hober dies? That's it? Hober knew this was the plan the whole time. 
we had a couple of those moments in this episode. We got we started the episode with this lengthy explanation as to how Harry was saved from the title torture pool of Tellum. Tellum's title torture pool. How do you like that? Say that ten times fast. Uh, Gail apparently was pulling a Tellum and using Harry and the people around him in order to save him. She used the guard and killed the guard actually um, in order to save Harry, which I found interesting because she says. She held him so deep under the water. She killed the guard so deep under the water that even Tellum couldn't hear his cries. This is the same Tellum who was traveling the galaxy, saving Mentalix. Pretty sure she heard him underwater, considering Gale uh, heard Harry's cries underwater. So, yeah, I, that was a hard pass. But, you know, at least Harry's alive. And we did see a, uh, you know, a Harry character change. You know, this was the Harry who didn't trust people, who never went away from the plan. And in this episode, we see him not only empathizing with Gail and really having a, a very heartfelt moment at the end where he tells her, you know, you have to weave all of the pain, all of the painful moments in life into a narrative and keep moving forward. Jordan Peterson would be proud. I mean, that's the kind of thing you would literally pick up on a Jordan Peterson book or lecture. That's that is that's pretty much the whole entirety of his of his whole thing. Um so yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool moment where he's pretty much saying we got to keep moving forward. Uh and life, you know, sucks at times, but you got to have hope and that was kind of Hober's thing with Brother Constant, right? And we still don't know her name. Like for God's sake, just give him the name. He's going to be eviscerated by this domino effect. That's got to be terrifying. You're seeing it's like watching each domino slowly getting closer to your ship when you know you're going to die. It was a pretty nice moment between him and Bell. I laughed my ass off. If anybody else out there has ever had the experience of having like, not myself necessarily, but somebody who bought like a really nice bottle of wine and you're, you're getting ready to try this bottle of wine only for it to be corked and gotten sick because of it. Um, it sucks. Like you're like ramping up this, this is going to be the greatest drink ever and it's corked. So it's ruined and tastes terrible. If you've never had like a, a rot, um, a bad bottle of wine that, that the cork is, um, I don't know how to say it, but pretty much like if there's any leakage, you'll see. That's why they check the cork and see underneath it to make sure there wasn't any sort of, I guess, air. It wasn't like actually air sealed, but uh, I digress. Constant just wouldn't give up her name. And Hober's dead now, had the wine. I... I'm saying Hober and Bell are dead. I'm not. There's no hopium here. I'm. I'm now officially saying Hugo's dead. I'm officially saying Salvor's dead. That was the biggest one. I think that was the biggest left field death in the whole episode was Salvor. First and foremost, I'm not sure how she got there in time to take that bullet for Gale. But she did. Essentially proving that the future can be changed. So there's that. At least there's a silver lining there. Uh, that wasn't the only death we got, you know, me and Zach were going back and forth last week about who would die among the emperors. Turns out Day and Dusk died. I think I was fairly certain that Dusk and Rue were going to die here. That's why I wasn't really heavy on that bet. But we got our answers on Demerzel. She hired the Blind Angels as a defense mechanism to stop the engagement with Sarith because although she wants to see the end of the genetic dynasty, she's conflicted. Because she's hardwired or programmed to protect it. So at the end, when she's looking at the Prime Radiant in this very 
evil, ominous moment. Among what I'm going to assume will be the most deviant and most evil of the decanted Cleons to be. There was no sense of... um. Sorry, I got distracted because I'm on, now I'm on the Google Meet call by myself. And although I've done one solo pod like this before, uh, Google Meet was giving me the kick out message here. Um, she has the prime radiant now. And now she's like our evil emperor. She is truly the evil one here. But at the same time, she has this weird smile because they ask her, hey, can you understand what you see in that prime radiant? And she says, not everything, but wonderful things lie ahead. And I'm thinking those wonderful things are probably the end of the empire if I had to guess, simply because she wants the end of Empire to occur. And we know that she's able to, if if not act in the, in the way of getting rid of Empire or to act against it, she is able to um, at least express that she wants it to end. So there's that. <sighs> Demerzel. There was a great moment with the green mark on her neck that Dusk left there. By the way, this Dawn is the most badass. And I think I think it was me. I want to take credit for this one. I was saying it would have been really cool if Sarath gets off planet and you have this whole last emperor, like the last true emperor storyline. And it turns out we're going to get it, although I didn't expect Dawn to be going with her. I got to say. I thought her pregnancy might have been under wraps. So we'll see. I'm, I'm assuming Demerzel is going to get the hang of psycho history pretty fast considering she's a robot and can compute at like a probably unlimited capacity. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, in addition to this, what other storylines are we missing here? We have Gay. Okay. And maybe we'll, mm, we'll see. We'll see if we wrap with this. Somebody mentioned, let me pull up the emails. I think it was from Linder and Jerob. They mentioned something here about Demerzel. Let me pull up the fan email here. Linder brings up a good point. The genetic drift, because last season we were talking about how each one of these respective Cleons are further and further away from the true source, the true sample of Cleon the first. So they're more and more diverging from this. And in a way, um, Day is the perfect example of this. He he destroys Terminus, and the plan is pretty much to take out seven more planets, all of the planets that have been taken over by Foundation, because he's he's gotten a taste. He's gotten a taste for world-destroying, and he likes it. So there's that. But it seems that the genetic drift does not stop Demerzel. Like, it doesn't make Demerzel's programming any weaker. I think the verdict might still be out on that. I think... I think when it was closer to the sample of Cleon the First, she was probably even more hardwired to not have these moments where she shows weakness and in confliction of what she wants to occur. Um, can we talk about the fight between Bell and Empire? I thought it was borderline ridiculous, although a great moment when Bell castles him and transports his body out. But what is the point of these armed guards here if they're just going to let the Emperor die? In addition to this, Bell, if you were going to take your stand, Hober was already on the ship. I'm assuming the spacer was in on this because the spacers can, are able to communicate with each other. Did we have to lose Terminus? 
Hober was already there with the machine on his wrist that could have stopped all this to pretty much pretty much do exactly what's occurring here. So it just it kind of begs the question, did we need to lose Terminus? But, you know, I guess we'll find out. Uh, Bell and Hober have something in common here. They're both going to pretty much lose their lover. Uh, but kind of the other way around, Glaywin and Brother Constant have something in common here because they both lose their lovers. So, yeah, there's that. We need better fights in Season 3. That's better fight sequences. Cleon as a fighter. It's just a very stupid plan, the whole thing. You're going to bring your whole fleet to the edge of the universe. Harry baited him out there and, and ends up destroying your whole fleet in one shot. What's left, I'm assuming? I'm assuming there's got to be more of a fleet somewhere. This couldn't have been everything. So we'll find out. Season 3, whenever that is, with the writer strikes and actor strikes and all the other strikes. So we'll find out whenever that's going to occur. But the spacers are not working for Empire anymore. So I'm interested to see what these last 150 years were, who the mule is, how he came into power. Uh, we have two. I'm assuming there's two pregnancies, right, that are going to be a key storyline. Because although we lose a lot of key characters we love, Constant has Hober's baby in her belly, probably. Sarath has Don's baby. So I'm assuming those are going to be two future characters. Maybe the mule is one of them. TBD or a descendant of one of them. We still haven't gotten any sort of um, clarity as to who Brother Constant is related to. I really doubt that Cermak's her biological father, but we will see. Right? Okay, so that leaves us to the end here. Where are we at? We're at the 14-minute mark. This will be a shorter episode because what we're going to do is, if you've made it this far... We're going to be doing a deep dive. I'm going to be waiting for Zach. So we probably won't get the deep dive on Sunday because we'll have added a new addition to the Soapbox crew here uh, when when Zach's wife is out of the hospital and uh, they're bringing a baby home. So, yeah, we'll wait till Zach is situated and hopefully get a deep dive out early next week, mid next week. I'm not going to put any sort of timeline on it, but we're going to be doing I'm going to be doing a deep dive with Zach where we go deep into the finale. But I'm sorry you're stuck with just my solo instant reaction tonight. And we end off with where I thought this episode was going to leave off. And this was a damn good episode. I mean, it did what I thought it was going to do. Because what, what do finales need to do in a world-building show? You got to show where your characters are going to end up next season, right? So Day's dead. Dusk is dead. Dawn has escaped. I'm assuming they're going to Cloud Dominion or a different planet. We don't know where they're going. Okay? Gale is alive. This is a nightmare fest for Gail. She's lost her, her love of her life. She lost her daughter. Now she's traveling with Harry, who's pretty much, she declares him her last family. So now they're going to time skip 150 years, or maybe 152 years, according to the title on the screen, into the future of the mule. And the mule, we don't know who he is, how he came into power, if he is in power, and what the situation is. But uh, he apparently has seen Gail in a thousand dreams, and she is a powerful enough force that he needs to destroy her. So, season three should be the war. I would assume it will be the Mule versus Gale, and we'll see how long this lasts. We'll see if season three is on the same trajectory as season one and two were, where it feels like season one and two are almost like very long prologues to what season three is going to be. And altogether, it should be pretty damn epic. Okay? So we know where Gale and Harry are leaving off. Harry changed his mind with the plan, so now he's deviated. He's trusting people. You know, that's a positive change for Harry. So I'm assuming Jared Harris will be back. We know Lee Pace will be back as the new decanted day. 
as well as Terrence Mann and uh, Killian. I'm blanking on the last on Don's actor's name right now, which I'm sure I'll get a nasty review on. On they don't they're not prepared. They don't know the actors' names. Three out of four. Okay. Salvor's gone. I'm assuming Hugo's gone probably too. Let's just say let's just say goodbye to Hugo. Sound the farewells. Play the sad songs, the trumpet, all of it. Hugo's gone. He ain't coming back. Brother Constant is in the vault with Polly. Polly has a lot of lives. Polly is alive still, and I'm assuming they're going to be founding the second foundation. It did seem like a lot of work to go to waste in the first foundation. A lot of technology. So, you know, bad strategic military planning from Cermak, but nonetheless, they make it through. Interesting enough, this episode was directed by Alex Graves. That's the guy who did a lot of Game of Thrones. So we see what the desire for Apple is. Their desire is to replicate that sort of hysteria, that world-building fanaticism that has me using a cup with the Game of Thrones logo on it almost every week. Um, they want that. They want to build it. I'm not sure Foundation is it, uh, but that's what they want this to be. They want the experience of that. So tapping into that experience is is vital all right bell's dead hober's dead so no season three for them but dark harry survives so we got the second foundation probably we got gale and light harry we have the metallics who are now free from tellum's grip demerzel who has her new decanted cleons and trying to keep a hold of of empire that's probably the most interesting one of where we're going to pick up with empire and what state it's going to be in 150 years from now and also what happened with Don and Sarath, because I'm assuming it's going to be some sort of Luke Skywalker situation with this with this kid. So we'll see. I just want these characters to last longer than a season. and I But I guess it's not that type of story. So it is what it is. Let's wrap up the IR. Thank you all for tuning in on this instant reaction. We hope you're enjoying our content on the channel. We are continuing our invasion series on Wednesdays or Tuesdays. It depends when we record, but usually Tuesday nights or Wednesday nights, we get out an invasion episode and that season's picking up pace. Uh, it's staying steady in season two. So if you want to join us on the commentary of what an alien invasion would look like on earth, just tune into that every midweek. And this wraps our foundation coverage until Zach comes back and we record our deep dive. So thank you for that. And other news, we are still battling YouTube. I'm dealing with a guy named Carlos on behalf of Apple who is being, let me just say, not just, just pick, not just to pick on him. We are dealing with very uncooperative behavior on behalf of YouTube and Apple's representatives at this moment. Apple technically cleared us of our inadvertent copyright violations. In our, it was really in our art cover work. That's it. There was nothing else on the channel that was an issue. Uh, they retracted it last Thursday. And we have been waiting for YouTube to reinstate our content on there. Uh, this is day eight. So we will see if it gets resolved in the near future. Because we're up on Apple Podcasts, as you're probably listening to this on that, or Spotify. We're on there as well, and every other place where you listen to podcasts. So just keep on tuning in. Thanks for sticking with us on this ride. We got Foundation ending with the deep dive and maybe a bonus episode after that. We're going to wrap up our Invasion coverage. And then we'll have some other shows coming on the channel very soon. We're going to be continuing our Invasion series in the midweek. 
And we'll be finding a Friday replacement show more than likely in the near future. I'm going to test out changelings on Apple TV. I'm going to see if it sticks. I'm going to see if it passes the, if it gets the story archive stamp of approval or not. I did watch a show on Apple TV that was excellent. We will not be doing a series on it, although I may, I have something up my sleeve on a, on a series or a video or podcast that I want to drop for you guys on the best shows I've watched this year. Maybe give you guys some stuff to watch out there. But the show I watched was called Drops of God on Apple TV, and it was fantastic. I finished it earlier this week. Great show about a girl who has to battle to inherit her father's uh, private wine collection, which happens to be the most valuable in the world. And uh, it's a great show. Damn good show. All right, y'all. Until next time, we love you. Thanks for tuning in week to week with us. We hope you enjoyed this foundation series, and we can't wait to talk on the deep dive. I can't wait to chat with Zach. I don't think he's watched this episode. I think he's got uh, more pressing matters at the moment, as uh, we've already talked about. So until next time, please respect and enjoy the peace.